Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by guest preacher, Reverend Dave Bianchin. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit our website at firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, which you will find in the New Testament section of your Red Pew Bibles on page 11 or on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Oh God, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ. Amen. After instructing his 12 disciples, Jesus went on to teach and proclaim his message in their cities. Matthew 1, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is a delight to be back with you this morning. Um, my almost two years here at First Press were among the most special of my life in ministry, and so it's wonderful to see to see all of you again, but especially those who I have known in the past. So glad to to be here. Uh, Since I left here several years ago, we've added to our family, as well as our three children. We have two spouses and three grandchildren now. Uh, My knees don't work as well as they used to, and my hair is changing color, but other than that, we're doing really well. Um, So I want you to know that um, I'm praying for you in this interim time. Uh, It's time between now and, and when you have your interim pastor, and then when you call your next pastor. God has a plan for you that will be wonderful, and God will continue to bless this congregation and the ministry and work and blessing that you are to folks around you. The passage that Pam read, um, Jesus is making a transition. He's moving from uh, a place, a time when he's been mostly pretty well accepted by the people around him, but now he's starting to get some opposition from the Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and the Roman rulers are certainly paying attention to him as well. And so... The early popularity he experiences is starting to wane. So what he does then is he starts to focus his message on the fact that people need to make a choice. And the choice is whether they will follow him or whether they will not follow him, and even further, whether they would oppose him. And I have to think that the disciples at this time are feeling the stress of all this. I mean, they've been part of this wonderful, easy, good movement that's happening. And now lots of people are pushing back at them. And how they must have felt seeing this happening to Jesus and by association how it's happening to them 
has raised the level of their stress and their weariness because it's just a really hard thing to do, as you know, to walk through life when things are difficult. Weariness and burdens, they're they're part of life. Don't we know it? It's no surprise. We all experience it. We experience it in different ways because we are individual people. But I think of burdens, first of all, as the intensity of the challenges that we face. These are the particularities of relational challenges, employment or retirement challenges, economic challenges, health challenges. These are the things that we just have to grapple with. They won't go away. They're right in front of us in these moments. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what burdens are you carrying right now? I want you to think about that, because this passage is not theoretical theology. This is a personal invitation on the part of Jesus for you to identify that and to bring that to him. The second thing Jesus mentions is weariness. And I think of weariness as the duration of the challenges that we face. If if the burdens are the stress of the moment, then weariness is what happens for us. We call it burnout sometimes. What happens over the course of many, many years when this just won't go away. And things are really, really difficult. Where are you weary right now? What challenges have you been navigating or having to cope with for a long, long time? I think what hurts most is when we live in the sense that we're by ourselves or in the sense that this weight of things is more than we can bear alone. I loved Amanda's children's message this morning. It was such a wonderful illustration of that. Uh, The burden sometimes, we can't hold them up in one hand like that. Bruce Larson was a Presbyterian pastor who ministered for a time in New York City. And he was a great evangelist. He loved sharing the gospel and bringing people to faith in Christ. And one of the things he used to do when people were asking questions was he would take them down onto Fifth Avenue in front of the RCA building there, a big building in New York City. And in front of that building was a big statue. And the statue was of this chiseled, muscular, strong man. It was Atlas. And on Atlas's shoulders is the world. And as strong as Atlas looks, he is just barely holding that weight up. And Larson would ask people, is that how you want to live? Is that what you're able to do? And he would say, come with me. And they'd walk across the street to St. Pat's Cathedral and go inside. And off to the side of the altar was was a small shrine to the young boy Jesus. He's depicted as being maybe eight or nine years old. Nobody knows exactly. But he's sitting there in a playful pose. And in his hand, he's got the world. It's no stress for him to have the world in his hands. And Larson would ask people, how would you like to live? Would you like to live as Atlas with the weight of the world burdening you down? Or would you like to give your world to Jesus? Let him navigate it for you and with you. One of the core principles in scripture is the word that we call shalom, which we translate as peace. It also means wholeness. It means that we're okay. It means that no matter what challenges we're facing, God's got it with us. And we may continue to face those challenges, but we're not going to be undone by them. And one of the elements that's involved in that shalom is the concept of rest. And especially for the Jewish nation, how rest relates to the Sabbath. Now, no other culture in the ancient world built in this type of rest as the Jewish faith did, as God gave to the Jews. 
And, and it was a situation where God is looking for balance in people's lives. And so when the Sabbath commandment is given in both Exodus and Deuteronomy, there's first of all the concept that we physically rest from our labors for a day. But if you read into what we're supposed to do with that, it's an opportunity and a commandment then to reflect upon who we are, to reflect upon who God is, and to remember, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before you. You shall worship no one else. You shall engage in Sabbath rest, and you shall think about me during that time. So the purpose of rest in the Bible is not just to have a vacation. Vacations are great. It's, it's an opportunity to bring balance to our lives, not only in terms of our physical beings, but also in terms of what we reflect upon, what is at the core of our faith and our heart and our lives. So rest then is a complement to work. Rest is part of our calling as, as Jesus' disciples to do what God has called us to do and to reflect upon what God has called us to be all the time worshiping God. Many, many years ago at the beginning of my ministry, and I've shared this before you, but I'm counting on you not remembering this after 15 years. Um, I went to the National Youth Workers Convention. It was in Detroit at the time. And one of the speakers was the Reverend Earl Palmer, who became just a real inspiration to me throughout my life. And he talked about a couple things. And one of the things he said was that there is no Christian doctrine of retirement. There is only discipleship with age variations. As I move into retirement, I'm trying to figure out what does that mean now for me. But the other thing he said to illustrate that was that at that point, he was probably 30 years into ministry. And he said, you know, as hard as I work, and he was in large churches, he said, I'm not burned out. And I'm not burned out because, and he wasn't self-aggrandizing, he was explaining that he had engaged in a rhythm of work and rest. And that rest included Sabbath worship, it included reflecting upon who he is in God. So one of the questions I want to ask this morning for us is, how do we get there? How do we get to the place where our lives are full of the balance that God intends for us, the wholeness or shalom that God intends for us, the sense that we are able to give to God the world rather than feeling like we've got to hold it on our shoulders? And I want to give you three ideas on that this morning. The first is to embrace rest, is to embrace a perspective. It's grounded, rest is grounded not in just a, a, a catnap, but a larger perspective of our discipleship with Christ. And our rest, our peace, our wholeness are only possible when God leads us into it and we sense God's experience with us in that. It's highly personal, but it's also rooted in community because the perspective invites us to encourage one another to that rest as well. One of my colleagues in Lake Forest used to say, our faith is personal, but it's not private. And that's how this comes in here, that we encourage one another. We spur one another on to love and to good deeds and to Sabbath rest. And the perspective reminds us that our rest is based in hope. And that hope has to do with our presence with God in eternity. So it's grounded in trust that God can meet us in our weariness and in our burdens. God can give us strength to meet them at the moment. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ can bring meaning into the growth that can come as he works with us in navigating those losses and those challenges. And it reminds us that what we're part of is part of the larger concept of eternity. And the journey that we're on right now is leading us into the place of hope and fulfillment, into the presence of God, where we will find rest for our souls eternally. Now, I want to remind us that Jesus uses the word yoke, and what he doesn't say is he doesn't say, take your yoke off and rest for a while. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and you will find rest for your souls. So it's an invitation to see this perspective in terms of, of the calling that God has on our lives for the duration of the lives that God has given us and for the purpose for which God created us. So it's a manner of fulfilling our purposes out of a sense of healthiness and out of a sense of worship and reminding ourselves that we are not working to earn our salvation. We are responding to the grace that God has given us into entering this rest that he has for us. And I think it's amazing to think about what we can do, what we can cope with, what we can manage when our perspective includes elements of hope and meaning. There were two famous admirals. One of them was fictional, one of them was true. Uh, Admiral Bly and the Mutiny on the Bounty. His person was put together uh, linguistically, literarily, as a mean-spirited, difficult, horrible, awful person who tried to whip his people into doing what he wanted them to do. Contrast is Lord Nelson, the real Lord Nelson, who also worked his people hard, who also lived a very difficult life. But this is what his soldiers said about him, his sailors. They said, we are half starved and otherwise inconvenienced by being so long out of port and in these battles. But our reward is we are with Nelson. There's that personal sense that Nelson was with them. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. Our perspective reminds us that there is a hope ahead of us, and that hope is based in the person of Christ, and that's the second point I want to make, that rest is, is highly personal. It's grounded in God's personal approach for us. Each of us are burdened and stressed and challenged in different ways. We have different personalities, different spheres of influence, different... Um, Thoughts, different things we're brave about, different things we're not so brave about. I think about uh, Julie and me and, and so many things that we have in common, but you can't get me onto a height that's any higher than this pulpit right now. And she'll jump off cliffs into the water, but she would never come into this pulpit to speak because she's afraid to be in front of even wonderful people like you. So we each have our, our strengths and we have our weaknesses. And I think we also experience peace in subtly different ways. And I think this is a witness to the greatness of God, that we are loved equally, but we are treated personally, individually. So what Jesus says to each of us, as well as all of us, is, is come to me. Don't just adopt an idea or, or think things are going to be okay. Come to me personally. Come to the person of Jesus Christ, and in me, Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. So peace and rest are not a commodity. They're indications of a relationship. 
and it's based upon that personal invitation to come to Christ. I think it's important to remind us of this. Um, maybe you are individually in a time of either burdensomeness or weariness, and it's hard to think about how you're going to get yourself out of it. You're playing Atlas with it on your shoulders. I don't want to minimize that. These burdens are real for us. But Jesus is saying, when you come to me and give me your world, I can give you rest that doesn't negate everything, but it copes with things in the moment. And this is the foundational element of grace. That we come to Christ not because we have earned it or because we're better than anyone else. We come to Christ because Christ has invited us to be with him. So when we sense that need, we come sincerely from the depths of our hearts. We come with vulnerability, with our needs clearly stated. God understands them. We come confidently because we're invited, not based on our perfection, but upon the gracious invitation of God. We come humbly, ready to receive from him that grace. So we need to adopt a perspective that that embraces rest as part of God's plan and to embrace rest as a a personal connection with Jesus Christ. And then finally, even though we're responding to God's grace, we're not earning our salvation, God invites us to come to a practice of of resting in him. The practice needs to be grounded in the right stuff. My wife, Julie, was on an airplane many years ago. This is a true story. And she knew that there were a couple of teenage girls behind her. And so they're talking during the course of, of getting ready to take off. And as they take off, one of them says to the other, gosh, my, my ears hurt. I can't do anything about it. And the, the friend says, well, here's some gum. And there's this pause. And then the friend says, no, no, you don't put it in your ears. You chew on it. <laughs> so she had the right, this is true. So she had the right tool, but the wrong practice with that. So uh, do not try to put this in your ear as we go about things. There are things that we practice in faith that that some people have come to call spiritual disciplines. I would uh, suggest to you Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Disciplines. Some of these disciplines are personal, that we, we pray, we read the Bible, we engage in Sabbath rest. From time to time, we take an extended time with God. These are all important. These are meant to help remind us that the world is in Jesus' hand. Then there are corporate involvements. You're here in worship today, and that's a wonderful thing. It's what we're supposed to be doing. We engage in service together. We study together in small groups. Both the individual and the corporate are practices which help us to mature, give us the encouragement of the community around us, and remind us that, that spiritual health in Christ is not a theory. It's a reality. It's a practice grounded in our relationship with him. It's a daily challenge. It is as much for me as for you. It takes tenacity, it takes discipline, it takes discernment. But think about how many times each day someone or some company asks us to buy or to believe or to adopt something. It happens a lot. I'm so annoyed I can't even go to the grocery store anymore and not have a screen in front of me as I try to check out my groceries. But think about all of those things that are pulling us in different directions. Not all of them are bad. But they're, at, at best, they're a distraction. And so I think it's important for us that we take the time to invest in our personal devotions with Christ, our communal study and service. Because the irony is that these other entities which promise us fulfillment 
actually distract us. They add to our weariness and to our burdens. So in closing, is it Atlas or is it Jesus? And it's a struggle that we go back and forth on. All of us do better sometimes than others. Um, But the big takeaway is that this is all grounded in the reality of God's grace and God's gracious invitation to draw us to himself. It's not another task to earn. It's a gift to receive. Because you can rest when you know you're not alone in the world. You can rest when you know that the burdens and weariness that you experience matter to God for you. And you can rest when you know that you live in a covenant relationship with Christ, not in a transactional relationship based on earning something. So you and I have a purpose in life. That is to glorify God, to enjoy him, to be fully whole. So let me invite you and me, let me invite us all today to lay down our weariness and our burdens at the foot of the cross to let Jesus bear the load of our world, to receive God's rest, God's hope, and God's joy, and then to pick up our tasks again and out of that sense of wholeness to continue to serve God with faithfulness. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, we are so grateful for your presence with us. We're so grateful, Lord, that you walk with us through these life circumstances and with the the community that you provide for us. I pray, Lord, in this day that those especially who are weary and are overburdened will find rest for their souls in in a vital and refreshing and renewing relationship with you. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord.